Welcome to the Encounters Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Dopp, and on each episode, you will hear powerful stories of one-on-one evangelization, brought to you as a collaboration between Mission of the Redeemer Ministries and Genesis Mission, the Encounters Podcast will encourage you in the Catholic faith, inspire you as a missionary disciple, and equip you to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Encounters Podcast. It's great to have you with us for another episode, Father, and I'm excited to hear you share a story with us. So take it away. Okay, Michael. Now, this one is um, situated in uh, a cafe. I said Mass at a Mass Center, and after Mass, there's a, a nearby cafe, um, which runs rather cheaply, uh, which is good news. And a number of parishioners go there after Mass, and uh, this time I wasn't in too much of a hurry, so I thought I'd go in there myself. Now, obviously, as with parishioners, are very, you know, nice to their priests, kind to their priests. So they had already got there because I had to take my vestments off, etc. And uh, as soon as I walked in, they said, oh, oh come on over here, Father. We, we'll save you, a, save you a seat. But immediately I'd been thinking that day, Lord, bring me someone I can share with today. And I thought, no, that's the easy option. So I politely said, no, I'm okay, thanks. Don't worry. And, uh, you know, they, they carried on then, a little bit surprised maybe. But um, so I went and got my coffee and uh, I looked around the, the cafe and there was one table with one man sitting at it. And I uh, thought, okay, Lord, I'm going over there. So uh, I went over. Now, I don't find these things that easy, to be honest, because I'm aware I've got my collar on. I'm aware of a man sitting on his own. He might be very happy with his own company, you know, maybe just escape for an hour. Uh, and I'm thinking, am I intruding a bit? So uh, I, I went up and I just tentatively said, uh, are you okay if I sit here or do you want to have some space on, on your own? Oh, no, he said, come and come and sit. So uh, I did. Oh, good. So I sat down and started talking with him. He was easy to talk to. I keep meeting people who, who are quite good, at, who, who talk a lot, and this man talked a lot, and uh, was very forthcoming, and, and so the conversation um, freely flowed in, 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 in one, in a sense, and, uh, and that was good, so it kind of got off to a good start. Very soon within the conversation, it's probably because he saw the collar on my neck, uh, and obviously knows I'm a man of faith and religion, he declared that he was a Freemason, so I thought, oh, that, this, is, this is going to be an interesting conversation. Um, delving into a little bit what Freemasons do and why this particular man um, would, what he gets from it, really. I thought this would be, let's see where this one goes. So I was uh, locking into the Holy Spirit on this one and saying, okay, this is a bit unusual. Let's see where this one goes. So we often think of Freemasonry as, as secretive and they keep things to themselves. But I think in one, we have to let go of that because past decades or so they, they don't do that they, they are quite open and i started asking questions really about why he joined the freemasons and how long he'd been with them he'd been with them a long time and when i tried digging around a little bit deeper for a deeper reason of why he became a freemason i was expecting a religious answer but it didn't seem to be coming through so i managed to fish out from him that he liked a sense of brotherhood I think he liked male company. Uh, he's a married man, etc. Be like male company, go into this place where where there'd be like-minded people, and uh, he liked the charity work. He saw that as a very good part of what they do, the charity work. So that seemed to be it on on a fairly human level, sense of brotherhood and the charity work. 
the other thing is though that although i was trying to fish around for the deeper religious motives possibly for being a freemason he wasn't particularly forthcoming like i say but he'd also started telling me about all the rituals they do and again i remember laughing with him saying i thought this is meant to be secret he said no you can google it he said it's not really secret at all and <laughs> again this is an interesting aspect because he started describing a number of rituals and, and what they meant and what they do so i'm i'm quite fascinated on one level but after a time it's like oh, i can only learn so much about these rituals and the significance as far as he sees it but he was going on and on and on and about them and uh i was thinking okay time is moving holy spirit um i'm not sure where this uh conversation is going now because there's a lot of stuff coming from him but i'm not able to add too much myself and so I thought I need to, in one sense, I might need to make a bit of an exit from this and say, thank you, I finished my cup of coffee, time to go, and, and it hasn't really gone anywhere. But there's something in me saying, just hold on a little bit longer, hold on a bit longer, because the circumstances of my sitting here were, were quite unusual. So I felt God must have a hand in this. You know, this cafe, this man sitting on his own, this being so ready to, to speak to me. And so suddenly, amongst the, the detail that he was saying, he suddenly said, I'm afraid of dying. And then he carried on. But to me, that was the, the, the point. It was like, bingo, right? That's the point. Why is he afraid of dying? He's actually doing these rituals. He sets them up, etc. for people. What is this thing about afraid of dying? Now, because he, he likes talking about these things, it took me about two or three minutes further on before I was able to say, could you just hold on a second? A couple of minutes back, you mentioned you're afraid of dying. Why is that? This was an interesting aspect of it, in a way. Although he was dealing with religious rites as he saw it, and he mentioned God, yet he had this understanding, as I, as I probed on this, of, well, when you die, you die. That's it. And I was thinking, well, he's got this belief in God. Freemasons have a, a God centered to them, be it in a, in a you know false way. But how is he kind of so limited on his understanding and and so I said, do you not believe in eternal life? And you didn't really have any belief in eternal life. And you're thinking, well, why do they do these things orientated to God if, if, it's, if he doesn't say anything more? And he got a little bit more personal on this as well. And he said, I've done a lot of wrong things in my life, which I'm sorry about. So you couple the two things together there. And you've got a man who is doing religious services connected with God, but doesn't believe in eternal life. And he's got a lot of baggage he'd like to get rid of. And this gave me a, a kind of perfect opportunity then for, for me to share my faith and, and a little bit of charisma. And I was saying, well, from my perspective, you know, I know who God is. God has been revealed in Jesus Christ. And I said, one of the great things he's, he's done is that he's come into our world, taken on our flesh and blood, and has actually gone into death, suffered and gone into death, so that he can take away those things that burden us, our sins, the things we've done wrong. So I said, no one should should have to feel. They have to carry the, the guilt or the regrets or whatever of things past because Jesus is there to to take it on for us when we're sincerely sorry. This was like a bit of a revelation to him. Um, he had never maybe understood this or maybe hadn't, hadn't had it explained to him. Uh, I was able to tell him as well then that, you know, not only that, so it's not about just dying relieved, but also dying looking to eternal life. You know, if God has made us, if God is there, and we're connecting with him on this earth. Why would he want to let us go in eternal life? And so I started to explore that this and explain this whole thing of uh, 
heaven and, and, and eternal life and how that is possible in, in Jesus. I was able, like I say, on the platform of what he said to um, explore this with him and, and give a little bit of charismatic teaching with it. It's interesting as well because he's aware his health wasn't in a good state. Uh, it wasn't particularly old. His health wasn't brilliant. I think he is aware that life one day is going to come to an end and maybe quite soon. And, and he didn't know where to go with this. So like I say, it became a great opportunity, like a great platform to share a little bit of charisma with him. Time is starting to, to move on a bit now because so I've been probably an hour with him. Again, okay, Holy Spirit, we've had this good encounter here, but is there something more? And because I talked to him about Jesus and he seemed to be happy to listen to Jesus, a, a book came to my, my mind, which I'd been uh, distributing quite a lot at that time, a book by Matthew Kelly called Rediscover Jesus. So uh, I said, I'd love to give you a copy of, of this book about Jesus. It breaks things down into very simple chapters and reflective points, etc., about the person of Jesus and who he is for us. And uh, I said, I'd love to give it to you, but I haven't got a copy with me. I said, could I have your address? Could I drop one round? And again, I was, to my surprise, he, he said yes to that. So I thought, oh, next stage to this. And, and thank you, Lord. So about 10 days, gave the address, etc. Then we, we passed our ways. About 10 days later, went to his house. Uh, it was an evening time and gave him the book. And he readily accepted it. And there's, there's this kind of great geniality and, genial, uh, geniality and friendliness with him. But it's like on this visit, is a little bit more keeping the conversation on a, on a more general level. He wanted to talk about his house and his garden, et cetera. And, um, you know, so you're doing the human stuff. But it's like, okay, Holy Spirit, can I go deeper on this? And I must admit that did not really happen uh, on that second visit. But I was able to leave him with that book. I think he was a man who quite liked reading books. So I'm sure it would have got read in, in the end. Uh, and it hadn't really, it didn't really progress much further than that. But one of the, the, the points that I learned in, in, a, in a powerful way then reinforces is it's the stuff of the heart which always seems to hit the mark, which gives you the opening that the Holy Spirit gives you to, to go deeper, to go personal. Um, always, obviously, we, we evaluate our own kind of uh, encounters afterwards. And uh, I was thinking on the second visit, did I let him maybe control the level of conversation a bit too much? Maybe I should have been a bit braver made a bit more of a proposal about Jesus. And so that was one of the points that I felt with afterwards. Uh, I was also aware that, you know, when a man steps into someone else's home, a cafe's neutral territory. In a home, you're kind of aware it's his place, etc. And again, that kind of held me back. But looking back, you know, evaluating, I'm thinking, was that me being a bit timid? Should I have been a bit more adventurous uh, and maybe made a bit more of a proposal of, of Jesus to him? Because ultimately then it would take it a little bit deeper. As well, my final evaluation on that is, well, with Freemasonry, there's going to be loads of blocks, spiritual blocks. Did I do enough work beforehand? Did I pray into it enough before I visited? And I was quite ha delighted that I was able to visit and drop the book off uh, and kind of got maybe carried away on the excitement of that, in a sense, without doing a little bit more spiritual homework. So as we know, Freemasonry, you know, have a lot of malevolent blocks, etc., connected with it in a big way and I should have been maybe more astute and a little bit more spiritually aware of preparation before that visit. That is a great encounter and some great reflections on your encounter, Father. It's funny that the thing that took him to Freemasonry was looking for brotherhood and opportunity to do acts of charity because historically, where would people have gone for those things? 
they would have gone to the church. Yeah, yeah. But you don't often get middle-aged men saying, I think I'm going to go join the Catholic Church so I can have some brotherhood friendship and do acts of charity. Sort of almost the opposite. We have things like the Knights of Columbus or whatever. But we've lost we've lost that in kind of the ethos of the church. And so people people can go and look for it elsewhere. So it's a reminder to us that men specifically, you know, middle-aged men are still looking for places of brotherhood and fellowship and friendship and looking to do something good with their life. Now, that's not sufficient. You wouldn't want someone coming to the Catholic church just so they can make a few buddies and have a good time and go do something nice for widows. I mean, those are good things, but at least it gets them in the door. You know, if he had found that in the church, then maybe after that it would grow and he'd meet men of faith who would at some point pray with him and share the gospel with him. It is interesting as well. Freemasonry quite easily and, and in one sense sensibly play, plays on that because that's how they, they promote themselves from one to another, you know, a sense of brotherhood, a sense of men together, etc. And th they do use that as a big point of leverage. And it was something of a, in our church of the past. I remember an old parishioner of mine a number of years ago saying that when he was a young boy, um, I didn't have te t television, you know, so he's going way back into like the 1920s, 30s. And he used to enjoy as young people going to church because they met their friends there and that social aspect was there. Yeah, so it's, it's a bit of a, a kind of starter point, which we, which people don't look to the church necessarily for these days. And just as a little aside on this as well, I've literally got a, an advert in my newsletter this week of gathering men together to see if we can have a little bit of a men's group just to build each other up in faith and to look at what it means to be a man of faith and a little bit of solidarity, etc. because I think a lot of men feel quite lost in, in their role sometimes as fathers and their bigger role in society. There seems to be a bit of a movement on this in the church and uh, I thought I'm going to give this a go uh, in a couple of weeks at organizing a meeting, see who turns up and see where it goes. Uh, in England, there's a number of little groups forming of men who therefore got that fraternity and that, that brotherhood in faith, but with a very, you know, different agenda of building each other up in the faith. Yeah, I noticed that as well here in North America. Perhaps in the last 10 to 15 years, there was more and more groups within parishes, aside from the Knights of Columbus. I haven't seen so much of it recently the last couple of years. I don't know if it's if it's either petered out or if it's sort of leveled off, but still many parishes will have a group for men. Father, one of the things I noticed about the encounter that was remarkable was your patience. You know, we, we spoke about this in a recent podcast that we had where you went in, you went in to do some paperwork or something. And there was a guy there that had been a film student and you end up spending an hour and a half or an hour and 15 minutes with him. And I had commented then that you went in expecting to be done your business in three or four minutes. And there you are 75 minutes later. And the same thing here that you probably didn't, ex you went in for a coffee, probably didn't think you're going to be there as long as you were. But in the midst of the conversation at one point, you know, you wonder, should I just like bail out and say, you know, it's been nice, but I got to get going. But I love the thing you said. You said, you recognize God must have a hand in this, that he's brought me to speak with this man. This man is speaking about, not just about the weather and about sports, he's speaking about Freemasonry, he's speaking about things that matter to him. So God must have something. So you exercise incredible patience. Sometimes we can be too patient and then we never bite when there's the opportunity. But that's the second half of it, is that I see, you know, the thing I learned from this encounter 
there's the incredible patience waiting. But then when he said that one line about, you know, being afraid to die, you knew that was it. You knew that was the opportunity for you to jump in and take this deeper. Very much, very much so. I'm not the most patient of people, so I'm smiling and laughing to myself as, you, as you're saying this. Like I say, the, the, the fact that I went to that cafe, which I don't do all the time, he was there sitting on his own. It's almost like, you know, I just had like a single focus then of, oh, there's a man to go and talk to. Uh, and, and that gave me, I suppose, a bit of a, a, a kind of grounded confidence that something's going to happen here, which made me made a little bit more patient than I, than I would have been. Um, and it did pay off. But again, is a, is a lesson which I have to continue to remind myself of. If you're going to ask the Lord to bring you someone I can share you with, then you've got to let go of agendas. And for, for busy priests, that is hard because you've got lots of good things to do for people who are waiting for them to be done in any one day. Anyone really could say that, though, any busy person. And it is one of those factors you have to really take on board of, if you want quality encounters, you've got to be prepared to give time when where needed and just drop things. And in an emergency, we do, wouldn't we? Well, it doesn't matter what we've got on our agenda for the day. If, if something really demands, we dedicate time to it. And we almost have to see evangelizing on that level. And it's something, like I say, I have to keep reminding myself on because I'm quite a, a driven person from one thing to the other. And I, I can sometimes, therefore be missing things and squeezing out the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do sometimes. It's probably something that we all need to remind ourselves of because busy priests, busy parents, busy every everyone's busy. Few people have the next hour of their life totally free. Everybody knows next hour I'm doing this, next hour I'm doing that. So being able to do that and just reflecting on the episodes we've released so far with you and with Michelle, most of them probably clocked in well over half an hour in terms of the length of conversation you had with the people. It doesn't mean every conversation has to take an hour and a half, but you know, to really get to the meat of things, it's not uncommon for it to take that long. The last thing that I thought was really neat, Father, was that you had a chance to have a bit of a follow-up. You just described a few minutes ago how you thought maybe you could have done it differently or done a little bit better. And it wasn't even planned. It was sort of a necessity because you didn't have the book with you. But having said that, kind of like the idea after having a great conversation with someone of having, let's say, an excuse to talk to them again, to follow up, to meet with them, to continue the conversation, to see how things are going, to go deeper, to bring them another book. Maybe it's good to almost create those, you know, in other words, after a great encounter, say, you know, I got a great book that was transformational in my life and many lives. I'd love to give you a copy, you know, could I meet up with you in a couple of weeks? So it necessarily creates the opportunity to have a conversation again. It, it does. And like I say, it was a um, bonus, a real bonus of, of follow-up. I could share with you a short, funny one, really, where, which didn't quite work. On Go that for level. it. <laughs> now, in England, we, we like our fish and chips, especially on a Friday. I was going to the fish and chip shop, and uh, a young woman was there behind the counter, and she was Polish. I got a Polish surname. My father's Polish. And as you know, 99.9% of Polish people are Catholics. So although her English wasn't brilliant, I just had a chat, what talk with her uh, while she's preparing my fish and chips, which only takes a, a couple of minutes. I just said, out of interest, I said, you're, you're Polish. Are you Catholic? And she looked at me like, yes. 
obviously you can see the collar around my neck. I just said, uh, oh, do you, do you connect with the church at all? Because, you know, a number of Catholics do, uh, Polish people do rather. And uh, she just said no. I said, uh, any reason for that? She said, yeah, full of old people and hypocrites. <laughs> so again, um, there's a connection here with Rediscover Jesus, because at the time I, I said to her, I said, look, there's maybe many reasons in your head why you don't want to, to go, but I think the heart of it is maybe you need to rediscover Jesus. So I got my fish and chips. That's it, next customer. So off I go. About two weeks later, I'm in the same area. I think I'm going to drop a, a book, Rediscover Jesus. So um, I went into the, the fish and chip shop and she wasn't there at the counter. So I called one of the, um, the people working there and said, uh, is there a young Polish lady working here tonight? Oh, yes, she's round the back. She's probably having a cigarette or something, I think, you see. So anyway, they called her in, and I just handed her the book. And before I want to embarrass her, I handed her the book, Rediscover Jesus. So she looked at me a little bit hesitant, you know, um, but took the book and, and went to the back again, thanked me and, and went to the back. A few more weeks later, I'm walking the same area. Well, I'm going to pop into that uh, fish and chip shop again. Just about 10 feet before I got into the door, we got a glass-fronted shop. She was at the counter. She saw me, and she scarpered to the back <laughs> <laughs> as quickly as she could go. Uh, so obviously, she didn't want to see me, thinking, "Yeah, is that priest going to talk to me again? So like I say, we leave this with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't always happen and, or work out as you think it might be or where you think the Lord is leading it. I would say with that one, Father, I mean, who knows? You know, maybe something in her conscience was being pricked. Maybe she hadn't read the book yet and she was <laughs> thought you'd ask. Maybe she had to go pee. Who knows? There could be all sorts of things. <laughs> but we do leave it in the Lord's hands. We do. Well, Father, this was a great conversation. We had two encounters in one. We learned that you love going to get fish and chips and drinking coffee. <laughs> We've learned a lot about your dietary habits. Um, we learned a bit about Freemasons and we learned about your Polish heritage it has been a great conversation. Thank you so much, Father John. Thank you, Michael. It's delight. Thank you. It is great having you with us for the Encounters Podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe for free through Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast service you use. This will ensure you get every episode right to your device. We also would love for you to join our free Mission Made Possible sessions, which will prepare you for one-on-one -on -one evangelization. Contact us through the website linked in the show notes. We can't wait to have you join us.